Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 469 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is the Decade of Decadence show for September 2022, which I'm going to begin with, Tom. I'm going to begin with, which hopefully be a new section on the show. This all depends on everybody who's listening to us, called Still Workshopping. The, the title of this, Listener Feedback. How about that? Ooh, I don't know if it'll take off. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we need a jingle as well somewhere. So a lot of work to do in this section. <laughs> but the main the main part of this, the work, the heavy load we're passing on to you, the listener. So uh, yet at the end of the show, we'll tell you the Twitter address and uh, email, which of course you know off by heart, but we'll give you it again. You can get in touch with us. Listener feedback. One good reason to follow us on Twitter is uh, I put a poll on there not too long ago after we finished the August show. Simple question. Who was the best 80s movie action hero? That was it. You got three choices. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, or Other. And we got we got 115 votes, mate. So thank you to everybody that voted on that. Uh, a bigger thank you to everybody that even took the time to write and comment underneath on that. So I'm just going to go through the comments that we got on that, Tom, if that's okay. Of course. And the first quote we got was from Tribby's Movie Zone. Uh, I would love to see Schwarzenegger given a Tarantino-style moment. Doesn't have to be a Taran- doesn't have to be Tarantino, but a prolific director choosing him for the right project. Perhaps speaking in his native tongue, like that scene in Escape Plan. That was nice. Yeah, I remember when he did that in Escape Plan. It was like holy shit. He's like he's talking in his native Austrian. Uh, at his age, he's better suited for supporting characters. And he's rarely done that. Perhaps a few early career roles. He's not the best actor ever, but he's my favourite. Fair point. Uh, long-time listener and friend over in Sweden, Frederick. More difficult to choose than I thought. Stallone's best, First Blood. I see more as drama than action. Might have to go with Arnie on this one. Mel Gibson had a few classics in this period as well. Damn, this was hard. Yeah, Mel had some decent action during the 80s. That's good. Oh, yeah, but he was a can, wasn't he? So. <laughs> it was. If only we can automatically disqualify him from any. <laughs> our, our webmeister extraordinaire, Mike Oglesby, pop for me, Arnold classics such as The Terminator, Commando, Raw Deal, Predator, and Red Heat. Wasn't a great fan of the Conan movies. Then you have his ultimate classic, Total Recall, but that was made in 80s but released in 1990. Uh, Michael Fisher, he couldn't choose. He just put, he just can't choose. It was too difficult a choice for him. Uh, ben, the tease over in Tasmania. Hashtag 100% Tasmanian beef. Uh, sorry, Dave, I'm an Arnie guy. Van Damme, if extending this into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Lucas Tolper, I love them both, but I probably lean to Sly just unashamedly like some Seagal too. Mm. Shameful Steve. Bruce Willis. That's it, mate. Short and sweet. Bruce Willis. Uh, Chris, at Dastardly Jabby, co-host on here, obviously. Uh, Definitely Arnie, commando, predator, and the running man cemented his status as the 80s action hero. I watched Cobra loads, but Sly movies always seemed more serious than Arnie's. Tango and Cash is is an exception to the rule and is an absolute banger. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen Tango and Cash for a while. Due for a a rewatch. Mert, at Wayne Poo. Here's one for you, mate. Michael Bean for me. Admittedly, the volume of work isn't there compared to others or the mainstream recognition, 
but Reese and Hicks, extraordinary men capable of the extraordinary. That's good. Mm. Mm. Uh, Jose at JPT72. No love for Jackie Chan? Question mark. No, well, I, I mean, said, that's what we have a category there for. Well, exactly. I said there's always love for Jackie Chan. Of course there is. Um, yeah. So, the, yeah, that, that was the vote for other. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was, that was what we got for replies. Shall we say the actual result of it, though? Like I said, 115 votes. Yes, I think it's time. It was broken up, and the winner had 74%. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a landslide. Second place had 15%. And third place had 11%. Coming in at third with 11% is Other. <laughs> Winning it with 74%. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fake fake news, if ever there was, mate. Recount needed. Not accepting this. Oh, my this. God. At one point, I thought Other was going to beat Stallone. And I would have... <laughs> Votes tampered Cackled. with. I'm not standing for this. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, it said 80s action film, but, you know, when I thought of it, when I saw it, I was just like, I sort of just thought of it, like the whole career. And, like, for me, I mean, Arnie's had more of a, um, obviously, he's had his duds, um, mm. but, like, Stallone's had some real peaks and troughs that I don't think Arnie really had. So I don't know if that's, you know, when, when I thought about it, but, like, even Arnie's duds, like like Jingle All the Way, for example, um, is now like a cult favourite and gets shown at cinemas around the world mm-hmm. every Christmas. <laughs> and Kindergarten Cop, you know, that's beloved now. Um, I don't know those not 80s films, but I think people might think of a more overarching, you know, their careers. But like Stallone's duds were like, I mean, I know we love Rhinestone, mm. but not everyone loves Rhinestone and like Get Carter and that he had some brutal ones. So yeah. I think Arnie's and, and Arnie just, you know, like everyone's, you know, the Terminator, you know, like huge, you know, Terminator, Total Recall, you know, it's, um, predator. It, you know, yeah, Predator, oh God, yeah, just like, not just, you know, considered all time, like classics as well. And I mean, obviously Stallone's, you know, got the, got Rocky and Rambo and stuff, but yeah, I think ultimately, Arnie sort of chose wiser, as it turned out. So yeah, not, not all the time, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe that's why it was such a one-sided uh, poll. Sorry, Dave. I was in tears watching those votes come in. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The, yeah. Wasn't it? Like, honestly, the, the closest was between Stone and Other. I was just, oh my god. Imagine if Other, literally, imagine if literally anyone else other than Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be recording tonight, mate. That would be it. <laughs> be. I'll be out of it. Uh, I did have a look. Sly had more movies released in the 80s than Arnie did. Sly had 14 and Arnie had uh, 11. I do agree with you, though, as far as I would rather watch, and this is taken outside of, of action movie hero, which the question was about, admittedly, but I'd rather watch an Arnie comedy than a Sly comedy. Like Jingle All The Way. I love that film. It's so good. Oscar, not as good. So Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like even... Like the flops, sort of like Jingle All the Way and Kindergarten Cop, and um, I mean, he didn't have too many. Like, you know, I'm not a fan of Twins, but it wasn't like a flop or anything. Mm. So, like, you know, he did choose quite wisely. I mean, Jingle All the Way was a flop when it came out, but it's sort of like everyone's sort of turned around on it now, and it's just like for most people, it's not Christmas without Turbo Man, and you know, exactly. Like, 
they just get shown in cinemas <laughs> yeah. like every year now. It's crazy, but yeah, yeah. Arnie's just better, Dave. Bloody Arnie! Terrible. Should have put him up against someone else. <sighs> Let's forget about that one, shall we? I need to. Buy yeah, do, do do another poll, Stallone or I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of some character actor who has like three scenes in films. <laughs> That would be it. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't want the heartbreak again. No chance. <laughs> moving on, moving on. I did briefly mention in the August show about if you could only watch the movies of five actors, who would those actors be? And I had a, I've had a little think about it, but I'm going to put it out properly into this episode. That's the question for this episode, ready for this, this newfound listener feedback section that we're going to begin with each show. Hopefully... Uh, let us know, if you could only ever watch the movies by five actors, who would they be? Now, Ben, who I mentioned earlier before uh, from Tasmania, he sent me he sent me his list. And, well, his and his fiance's list as well. And I don't know, should I read them out now or should I just keep them for the next? Yeah, I mean, I think we should. Uh, I mean, this could backfire when nobody answers next, for next month. <laughs> but... Um... Apart from, you know, R2. But yeah, yeah, do theirs. And then that's sort of like, I'll give people an idea, a toaster. Yeah. Okay. then. And I, I'll reread these out in the next uh, episode as well next month. And so here's, here's Ben's list of the five actors that if he could only watch them, these would be the five. He starts off with Van Damme. And he says in brackets, I need no retreat, no surrender in my library. Plus he has some great 90s movies and a bunch of stuff I've yet to see, which is cool. Stuff you haven't seen. Great pick next. Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> now he put good way to get most of Tarantino and a lot of MCU in my library. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who's got Letterboxd probably has Sam Jackson number one in their most watched actors <laughs> list just by default because he's so prolific. So yeah, it's a that's smart a good one. one. Yeah, good and you're going to get a lot of good films too. Um, oh, yeah, so many great films. Jackie Chan, and he's put for this one just for sheer volume of films. Yeah, Ben's going to have a lot of films to watch. Some good choices. Um, this is where, again, regular regular part of these shows where I murder a name. Sonk Kan Ho, which is Parasite, Snowpiercer, The Host, and loads of other top-quality Korean films. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and he's finishing off with Will Ferrell. And, yeah. he's, and he's put, yeah, there's some crap in there too, but he has some heavy hitters and cameos in good movies too. Yeah, not forgetting cameos. It doesn't have to be yeah, yeah. lead role as long as they're, as they're in it. That's, that's yeah, it's a good point to, to put out. Plus he's in, he's in my favourite comedy of the 2000s with Step Brothers. So without fail, that just always makes me laugh like mad. Uh, it's fiance Cody. We've got her list too, which is Johnny Depp. Okay. Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, Hugh Jackman, and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence is a good pick. Mm-hmm. She's, she's like, um, <laughs> I don't think many people would uh, compare Jennifer Lawrence and Arnie, but like, she chooses well. She doesn't. Cho- she doesn't do a lot of films, but she chooses wisely, and yeah. she's always, always good in them. Um, Daddy Radcliffe is interesting as well because, like, he just does whatever the hell he wants now. Like, mm. you know, he's playing Weird Al, isn't it? You know, an upcoming film. Or yeah, that looks interesting too. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're good yeah. lists. So thank, thanks, Ben and Cody, for those. So hopefully that's like, like you said, Tom, whetted people's appetite. But it did, Cody's list made me think, because I've got I've got my five, 
and they're all, unsurprisingly, really, they've they're all got a good body of their work is from the 80s. They're all men, aren't they, Dave? They're all men. They are all men. So seeing Cody and she put Jennifer Lawrence, I'm going to also... Oh, I better put a woman in there. No, no. I'm going to... I want a separate list. I'm going to do a separate list of female actors. Five female actors. I will choose actors. actors, (laughs) Regardless of gender, Dave. I can't do without the five. Because you're doing an 80s podcast. Doesn't mean you have to live there. (laughs) Your rhetoric about women. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> oh 2022 i know but the 80s just seem not that long ago to me you just you just hate women pushing this narrative <laughs> from this show <laughs> yes oh have you heard that decade of decadence show with dave the woman hater oh my god yeah yeah and tom's trying to talk him around on it and he's just he's having none of it he's sticking to old white male actors the yeah. bastard yeah, but there's no people of colour in the list. There's not. Sorry, no. <laughs> there isn't. Could this get any worse? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm you saw so Samuel sorry. L. Jackson. You're like, oh, fuck. Fuck, yeah. Fuck, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, no. <laughs> do not do a third list of people of colour, yes. I swear to God. <laughs> that will be our last show. <laughs> oh, no. I won't then. Right. I'm sticking Moving to the, swiftly I'm on. sticking to these. These five, (laughs) and damn me, damn me to hell! I'm sticking with these five. Yes, um, yeah. Please send in your lists. I mean, try and keep it to you know five, not five of different genders. Yeah, you're fine. Be be honest. Be just, just be honest. Five. Yeah, be honest. Yeah, you know, like we will take the piss if there's yeah, obviously white, old white men. (laughs) Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. Me being taken the piss out of again. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll move it over to you while while people I try to get people to forget, stop hating on me. Come on, Tom, what's been happening with you? Oh, a, a fair bit as usual. Although right now, God, really quiet week or two. Yeah, I, last gig was <coughs> excuse me, just over a week ago, as we record. Um, and yeah, nothing for uh, another week and a bit. So a rare lull in um, activities. Mm. But yeah, the main thing was, I mean, God, I suppose if, if you didn't see it on the news and you didn't see it on social media, you didn't just watch it live, I went to the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Queen's funeral then. No, no, I wasn't invited, <laughs> which is a bit of a blow. Um, yeah, I went to a Taylor Hawkins tribute concert at Wembley Stadium. Uh, they just did the one at the Forum in LA last night as well, mm. which, looked, which looked um, um, equally good. Um yeah, so I got a ticket on Twickets, which I've been bigging up for the last few shows yeah, because yeah. it's really good. Um, and uh, it was just a standing ticket. So I was like, well, fucking hell, Wembley Stadium. So uh, what are we trying to remember? So the doors opened at half two and I was going to get there like one. But I just woke up on a Saturday morning and I was just like, I have nothing to do this morning. So I'm like, Ali, I can just sit here at home or it's a nice day. I uh, can go and sit there. So I got there about quarter to 11, half 10, quarter to 11 sort of time at Wembley. Mm. And yeah, just sort of sat down in the queue that was forming. It moved a few times out of the, the people at the stadium were moving it around a bit. And um, yes, just chatted to people in the queue as you do uh, for a while, which killed some time. And then we were let in, started to let into the building at two, uh, just to queue inside instead. Um 
so I was going in and they just put wristbands on. I was just on, on me. I was just like, I didn't really pay much attention to it. Yeah. In fact, I didn't even look at the wristband. They just put it on. <laughs> people were running up to the people. I didn't even realize it's didn't, stuff you didn't click until afterwards. People like running up to the guys with the wristbands. And I just sort of wandered over and there's a guy who's running up next to me and I got there first. Again, didn't think anything of it. Guy was just like, oh, sorry, mate, this guy got here first. And I was just like, I was just thought, oh, we're standing. You need a wristband for standing. Yeah. I've been to, I've been to, I think Guns N' Roses. Yeah, in fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm looking over at the Guns N' Roses wristband. Sometimes you just need a wristband for standing. So we're all queuing. And um, while we're queuing, I was just talking to people. Then I just sort of glanced down and there was some writing on a wristband and it said, front pit. (laughs) So um, (laughs) if if people have gone to outside things, you know, the gold circle where you have to pay more. It's basically, you didn't have to pay more for the gold circle as long as you showed up early. And I did. I had no intention of ending up there. And yeah, I, I was just very fortunate, and I was right at the front for it. Oh, mate, you had—you sent me some <laughs> photographs. You had such a great view. Being in that front pit, you had an amazing view. I was like, I was I so had, happy for you that you got there. Yeah, it wasn't like I was literally was just like I was no intention of like, yeah, if I get there early, I can get in the front bit. No intention of that. I was just hoping, you know, to be as near to the front as possible. Yeah. It was literally just, I have nothing better to do this Saturday morning. I can either sit here and watch TV or YouTube or some shit, or I can just go and sit outside. I had um, a magazine to read and get rid of. Uh, I bought some snacks. So I was just like, yeah, I'll just sit there, read the magazine, have some snacks, and then um, whatever. Um, but yeah. Just <laughs> it paid, paid off so well, though. Leaving yeah. early and getting there. I had, I had like a huge payoff. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, absolutely. And it was, I mean, m- most of you have probably seen clips or watched it live. It was on Paramount Plus in the States. It was on um, oh, the Free V channel or whatever. The, uh, and it was on MTV YouTube in the UK as yeah, well. Yeah, that's how it's we on Paramount it, Plus. Yeah. yeah, it's on Paramount Plus in the UK now, the full six hours, because it started at four and half four four half four i can't remember i finished it half ten anyway mm. and it was just an overwhelming amount of music um as it's been talked about so much i won't go through everything but just like my experiences like it was just god it was really emotional at times um like particularly when it came to right at the end of the show when the Foo fighters came out and played mm-hmm. first time they'd played without taylor hawkins like um like Dave Grohl was like sort of broke down a bit when he started. It was, that was sad. And then when they brought out Taylor Hawkins' son to uh, do drums on My Hero, that was incredible. Really sad as well. Um, but no, it was such, it was just an overwhelming amount of music. Um, biggest highlight that wasn't the Foo Fighters was um, the ACDC bit um, with Brian Johnson. Um, coming out to do a couple of ACDC songs with Lars Ulrich on drums and the Foo Fighters as the rest of the band. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, my sort of first real knowledge and like memory of music was my brother listening to Blow Up Your Video uh, by ACDC <laughs> and the Black Album by Metallica. So it was just like, oh, here's a drummer from Metallica. Here's a singer from ACDC doing ACDC songs together right in front of me. It was <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing i still can't believe i saw that that was yes really incredible um as you'll know dave and probably i've moaned about him on 80s picture house or this show in the past you know i always moaned about brian may oh he'll do anything for a quid and all of this (laughs) 
yeah, like the moment they came out, him and Roger Taylor came out and um, they started doing some Queen songs. I was just like, do doing the clap. Boom, boom. <laughs> I was just like, I, I was just caught up in it. And I was, my opinion was immediately reversed. I was just like, we're doing the, the we will rock you stomp stomp clap thing in Wembley Stadium with 90,000 people it was just like you know like this is where Live Aid happened and yeah, you know yeah. I'm not sure was, was that where the um, Freddie Mercury tribute show happened I can't remember but um, you know just doing that it was just like yes yes this is incredible um, <laughs> and then he did um, Love of My Life Brian May did Love of My Life like right up the gangway solo just within the acoustic guitar everyone's phone was on uh, torch was on all the lights around the stadium everyone singing it sounded loud where i was it wasn't until i watched it back on um on uh, paramount um i was like wow that crowd was loud that mm. night i never realized how loud they were until i watched it back i just didn't hear it that much where we were so um god there was just something what's saying rush with Dave Grohl on drums, that was mind blowing. Um, I saw the, you know, like James Gang. I mean, uh, Joe Walsh's voice is fucked, <laughs> but still, it was really cool. <laughs> um, Wolfgang Van Halen doing some Van Halen songs. He could play exactly like his dad can. That was crazy. Nice. Um, Justin Hawkins put a hell of a shift in. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was out a few times. He did a Queen song, he did some other songs. Um, Guy at Supergrass did as well. Yeah, he came out a few times. It's really good. You know, like Niall Rogers and Josh Homme, you know, like doing some them Crooked Vulture stuff. And like John Paul Jones out of Led Zeppelin just there. Just like, it was, it was oh yeah, the bass player out of Led Zeppelin was there as well. It's like, almost as an afterthought. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just incredible. I've probably forgotten loads of stuff. But my God, yeah. If you've got Paramount, oh, you can get a free trial. Yeah, and you've got one. Well, You've got six hours to spare. It's really good. I mean, some of the things like uh, uh, James Gang and Rush, and to a lesser extent Van Halen, you could tell they were a bit lost on the UK crowd. Um, always bigger US bands yeah. um, than UK, bigger in the US and the UK. But uh, I was loving it. So, uh, but um, yeah, incredible. Like my, my legs. Oh my god, my <laughs> I was aching. Shockingly, also, 90,000 people, me right for fun, I got back to tooting in an hour and a quarter. When it finished, to get, I just, like, we went out and came out and then went into the big queue where you go up to Wembley Park Tube, like, the famous walk where you kept on on being held at red signs um, and everyone starts singing. Um, And then I just went on to the Northern Line and then literally... I even got to sit down on the first train. <laughs> I was like, What's yeah, hell? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eleven forty-five, back in Tooting, quite KFC, lovely. That's nice. That's, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, just incredible. Just what an experience. Like, yeah, um, so lucky to be there and experience that. So, yeah, it's what we were saying. I mean, me and Tina watched. We watched a lot of it live on YouTube. But we were saying, and we said to you, you know, within the WhatsApp conversations, just as an experience, as a life experience, it's one of those things that you can say, yeah, I was there. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I know they played last night. I don't know if the Foo Fighters will play together again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one of the last times. But, um, yeah, an amazing night, really was. Um, oh, I just noticed my laptop battery's 
fast. My laptop battery is uh, draining quickly, and my ca- charging cable is just in a mess of cables. I'm looking down at. So we might have to pause soon, Dave, so I can okay. do some slight untangling. Expect but, hopefully hidden edits somewhere in this show, <laughs> or maybe just do it as live. Yeah. Anyway, what was next? What was next? Um, it was another gig, Reckless Love, in, uh, um, Electric Ballroom. That was fun. Yeah. Um, reviews already on the website, but uh, yeah, really good. Their new album's very good. My God, is it even better live? Like their synthwave influences. They didn't have a keyboardist. They just it was just used as a backing track. Yeah. But like, yeah, it was really good live, and they played a lot of that album, and uh, people really like it. So hopefully they'll do more synthwavey stuff. Yeah. So we need a synthwave head. There's, there's a kind of synthwave. More, it's more AOR. They're called LeBrock. They're more synthwave AOR, yeah. but like a full hair metal synthwave thing that really worked. Yeah, it does. I've I've watched when I've listened to the album, the actual studio album, and it's it's so good. Yeah. But after you went to the gig, I watched quite a bit of footage of them playing songs from this album live, and like you said, yeah. they they work so well, don't they? Yeah, really good stuff. Hopefully they'll stick with it because there's definitely a gap in the market and. It brings more synthwave fans to hair metal, and it brings more hair metal fans to synthwave. Mm. Every month's a winner. Yeah, so. definitely. Next up was um, went to see Foxy Brown at the BFI, and Pam Greer was there. Oh, that was oh, awesome. A Q and A. I mean, Q and A. The the poor moderator, um, Pam Greer, can talk and <laughs> did, and it was brilliant. Uh, they didn't get many questions in. I think they got one question from no two <laughs> questions from the audience, but Pam Greer can talk, and I could have listened Good. to her for hours yeah brilliant oh, um good. another review on the website is brothers of metal mm, yeah not usually my sort of thing but a lot of fun vikings like battle metal i guess it's called mm. yeah that was a that was good it did look fun yeah yeah a lot of fun people loved them they were really good um and then oh no not my not quite my last gig um i saw a post grunge band three days grace at uh kentish town forum didn't realise how popular they were. Oof. That queue went round several corners, round into several streets when I got there. Wow. I've got a gig coming up there next month, and I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> Hopefully they're not as... I don't know how big that queue's going to be, but I'm just going to have to go straight from work to yeah. get to that one. Um, but no, they were really good. God, the crowd was so young, though. I was just like, <laughs> man, I like... I, I like I mean, Three Days Grace is a bit of a WWE band. They had like a couple of games on, I think, SmackDown versus Raw 2007. Um, is that sort of like post grungy sound that WWE used on a lot of their pay per views and stuff? And uh, yeah, but I was just like, wow, some of you weren't even born when they were in 2007, I swear. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, a few knobs in the crowd, including the um, this guy. Oh, this guy was there with his other half and. It was a support band to another post grunge band called Ten Years were on. And like this guy had sort of just squeezed in mm. like, as they do, just as they were starting, right in, in my in my personal space, which I don't <laughs> mind I'm at a gig. It's yeah. a gig. Especially when it's a rock gig, it's yeah. Um so and then he's just started like <coughs> nudging me and stuff. And like I have earplugs in because, you know, to keep <clears throat> tinnitus uh, at bay during gigs. And he starts like pointing down like he'd be bumping into me and like stuff and he's like pointing down at his feet and i'm just like i can't hear you like i've got i'm like pointing i've got earplugs i can't hear and then he's just sort of like um like legitimate i mean i had to work it out later then he sort of moves off then he starts tapping someone else on the shoulder pointing and i'm just like he's 
moaning because they're too close to him. And everyone <laughs> in his space, he ended up doing people on the right. People on the left. Him and his half kept swapping round. She was on the left, he was on the right, and then they swapped back. And then, then, they were, then he was holding her like in front of him. And, and then they're moving and moving and moving. And every time someone sort of came, a, air quotes, too close to him, he started having a go at them. Like people were just oh looking at him like he was a fucking idiot, which of course he was. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? Well, have you never been to a rock gig before? Like, pe-? but then like when Three Days Grace came on, people just started shoving in front as they do. It's part of the course. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. And they just shoved him out of the way. He was just like trying to like these people, you know, were trying to get further in front, and they just stopped right in front of him and his missus, and he was just like tapping them and like you know, and they just looked at him like he was mad. <laughs> And um, some some of them went off. Some of them stayed put, and in the end, he get, went further and further back. <laughs> oh I was just like, "How? Like, have you never been? Like, you can't expect a, a bubble, like uh, just a space to be kept around you in a gig to, uh, you know, like people are, you know, especially in a people jumping up and down and all that sort of stuff. People are going to bash into you. People are going to oh, be really close to you. It's it's crazy. It, didn't have, and it, wasn't, isn't a, it? it wasn't a COVID thing." He didn't even have a mask on, so it wasn't that. It was just he felt like he expected everyone to not go near him not because go, oh I God. mean, how God, how entitled can you get? So that is yeah, crazy. that's the first time I've seen anything like that since you know gigs have come back, and it was like a reminder, like oh God, they quite I, decades at gigs sometimes. With you saying that, I always remember. I always remember. Um, it was the first time I saw Kiss live was on the Lick It Up tour, mm. and I went to Leeds. And I remember vividly, I was I was right at the front, right in front of Gene, which is like any Kiss fan knows, if you're looking at the stage, he's on the left-hand side of the stage. Hmm. And with no exaggeration, I spent a good proportion of that gig with my feet not touching the floor because every, it was just, it, you can, especially if you're at the front of a rock gig as well, everybody bounced forward and I was swept up off my feet. I ended up being past the middle of the stage and about four or five people back because you've just been moved around. You're just buffeted everywhere. How you can go to a rock gig and think, don't get close, don't come too close. This is my, this is the space yeah. that I've paid for on my and ticket. literally starting to like moan at people hmm. about it as if like what, like when the main band's on, there's, no, there's nowhere to move. And there yes, isn't. they've yeah. pushed in, but ultimately that was my other thing. He pushed in in the first place <laughs> and he chose to stand that close to me and then develop a problem with it. I mean, assuming that's what he was talking to me about. I mean, as I say, I could, I could hear because I had earplugs in. And also there was literally a band playing. It was like, yeah. How are you supposed to hear anything that he says? What an idiot. Oh, dear. But, uh, but yeah, that was, yeah. Other than that, Three Days of Grace was a, yeah, that was a laugh. Um, and then final gig was um, Dance with the Dead. Um, bit of synth wave. That was on the, on the day of the Queen's funeral. So at first, How I was dare a bit you like, disrespect Her Majesty oh, and, yeah, and disrespect. listen to jocular music. <laughs> yes, yes, awful. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. Just I just danced for, I mean, uh, the support band was 45 minutes there an hour. Just literally just danced the whole time. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah, they uh, did a Motley Crue cover at the end uh, with, uh, again, um, mentioning LeBrock, uh, the singer out of LeBrock uh, came on. That was good. But yeah, that was the, um, that was it really. Yeah, it's been just a, just one massive gig and a few uh, smaller ones. Nice. Um, I've got coming up, uh, next gig's a week on Saturday, um, Anthrax. Oh, my God. Uh, Brixton. So I was like, oh, why have I, why have I saw their bit downloaded in 2005, play for about half hour. So mm. 
Yeah, that'd be good. Um, obviously, in, as well as gigs, it's spooky season. Um, yep. So I'm going to be hitting up the Prince Charles Cinema a lot. Um, going to see uh, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue Sunday. Oh, that's uh, a good film. Z- Zodiac on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got next Thursday off. Um, I was already going for one film on Thursday evening, but yeah, I'm planning to go and see Manhunter, Silence for Lambs and The Faculty on Thursday at Prince Charles. <laughs> oh, Just... my God. I've got a day off and I might as well. So yeah, do it. Um, also coming up, I'm going to go to um, uh, like a stand-up thing at the um, Empire and Hackney. Uh, David Cross is um, headlining, who is obviously um, if you've watched Arrested Development, Tobias out for Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Very funny man there. Um, gigs two days in a row on a Tuesday coming up. I'm going to see Heat, uh, oh, uh, Electric in Brixton. Good. I don't think I've seen them live before. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. And then the very next day, I'm going to go and see Billy Idol at Wembley <laughs> Arena. Whoa. That's, that was my um, moving to London present for myself a year ago, because I've wow. lived here a year, by the way, now. Um, uh, but it got postponed because of Billy Idol had sinus surgery. Yeah. All that cocaine. Um, <laughs> yeah, Skid Row and Winger is coming up. What a double bill, Skid oh, Row and Winger. Beautiful. And I believe... Um, Phil X, uh, Bon Jovi's guitarist, is um, also on the bill. Nice. But like, oh. as much as I'm just looking forward to Skid Row, and they've got a singer who used to be in Heat. Um, he, not like that. Um, in the band, <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Um, he's, he's way uh, past that now. Uh, I'm looking forward to Winger more. Yeah, fucking Winger. That's going to be so cool. God. Um, more Nick Cave. There's a Nick Cave um, talk about his new book and the book signing afterwards. Uh, Robert Duffin. Uh, formerly of Inside the Ropes, uh, a friend of a podcast you may remember from mm-hmm. Yates House days. Yeah, yeah. Managed to meet the man himself, Nick Cave, and get a photo with him this week. Oh, very nice. Jealous. So, yeah, the book signing, I'll get to meet him. Don't know if I'll get a photo, but yeah, getting to meet Nick Cave would be fairly mind blowing. Mm. Um, yeah, then Fabio Fritzi at Halloween. Bloody yeah, that, that, that's October, and obviously we'll have recorded again for them. But yeah, then a few bits and bobs in November as well. So busy, plenty to catch up on in the October show. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, always busy, <laughs> except for right now. <laughs> yeah, little, just have a break, mate. Just take it easy, you know. Just get your breath back, and then get get ready for a busy October. That's all yeah, good. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just give you a little break now, mate, because you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be an episode of Decade of Decadence without me pressing this button. Yo, Polly! Because there is slight news, obviously. <laughs> what would happen? What happens? Okay. Go on. Okay. You can only press one button <laughs> when this happens. What button do you press when Stallone dies? <gasps> it's, it's still got to be the Grim Reaper, mate. It's got to be. Okay. Okay, that's Probably, an answer. Yeah, that's it. And then followed by ten minutes of me crying, and that would be it. And that would that would be the whole show, and there'd be nothing else. And yeah, no more part. That'd be it. No more Yeah, and it'd go out with just a black logo on it and no title. And, and oh God. Be, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but I'd be. Yes. I'd be in <laughs> ten days of mourning. I'd be. Oh, out, yeah, you're hinting at it. <laughs> I'd be wearing all black. And could could watch nothing but sly films for ten days. In fact, the whole country could watch nothing but sly films for ten days. That's what's going to happen. I mean, happen. that's what you know. I mean, most most years, that's what you do anyway. So. Mostly, isn't it? <laughs> so, not much. It's only a ten day period where you do that. 
So, the first little bit of Sly News. Yo, Polly! I talked about on a previous episode the one-sixth scale figures that have been released on the Sly Stallone shop, which are really good. There was a Rambo one um, recently, which I'm still hoping for a lottery win so that I can buy it. Uh, they've announced a Cobra figure, Marion Cobra. It's very good. It is very, very good. It's not as good as the Rambo one. Big Rambo fan. But it's still very, very good. So if you're a big Cobra fan, go to the um, Stallone shop. It's uh, the detail they're getting him. It's amazing. The one thing Tina didn't like about it, she said, oh, yeah, it's really good. It looks like him and you get the gun and it's, it's just everything's really good. She didn't like his pants. He's wearing these jeans. She didn't like the cut of his pants. They didn't look um. right. Yeah. But it's the 80s, wasn't it? That's what, that's what they looked like back then. So they've just been true to form. Anyway, more Sly News. Yo, Polly! Tulsa King, you've talked about Paramount Plus already on this show, mate. November the 13th is when it's starting on Paramount Plus. So I'm saving. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, I'm saving. Because they, they are giving away loads of free trials, aren't they? Some seven days, some 14 days. I'm saving it. and I'm going to go on a Tulsa King binge. <laughs> Once they're oh, all on there. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just make sure... Mm-hmm. Um, with the Paramount Plus app, it actually works. Um, if it doesn't, like a lot of people have been having a lot of trouble. Like I, I'm now subscribing to Paramount Plus uh, to watch uh, Yellowstone and yeah. Beavis and Butthead mainly. Um, but I had to do it through Amazon Prime channels because the app just doesn't work very well. Right, I'll do it through Amazon nuts. Prime then. I'll do it. It's that way. really nuts. Like it just doesn't work very well. <laughs> Um, but there's also a bit of delay with new stuff being added onto the Prime channel as well. Yeah. So I'd try, obviously, if you want to watch Tales of King of the Day, it comes out. I mean, I will as well, but I might not give hmm. an option. I mean, try the app. You can still do a separate trial on the Prime channel, though, if it doesn't work. Yeah. But I just, I tried to watch, it took me over half an hour to eight, watch eight minutes of a BBC and Butthead film on there because wow. it was just washing machine, whirling around. Oh, dear, that's not good. Yeah, a, 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 I don't want to get started on how shit it was again, but like a company that big having an app that doesn't work is mind-blowing. That is pretty bad, isn't it? But yeah, I'm looking forward to Tulsa King, though. Um, it's from the people who did, um, Yellow, who've done Yellowstone, so, and we've always talked about how, you know, it would pay to, see, you know, it would be better to see Stallone in more dramatic hmm. roles now he's getting on a bit, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed it'll be good. Mm, the little clips that I've seen look good. So, yeah, come November, that'll be good. Uh, hopefully, we'd have both watched it maybe by the time we record the November show at the end of the month. If not, I presume definitely by for the December show. I would have thought we'd have watched them by then. Uh, another piece of Sly News. Yo, Polly! And I did say, we both said in the last episode, we're not TMZ. We did report that Sly and his wife had split up. She'd filed for divorce. Apparently, mate, they're back together. I saw a picture of them holding hands. Oh, yeah, that was from a while ago, wasn't it? That was like an old picture when he got black hair. It's the one from behind and they're walking away from the camera. That one. Yes. Yes. Oh, how romantic. So they're back together, apparently. What he's going to do with that tattoo with the dog that was his wife, I don't know how that's going to be resolved. Tattoo over the dog with her wife. <laughs> I mean... He's going to have guess. a tattoo of his dog and put his wife's face on it. How about that? Just as a I bit of balance. I probably don't think that no, would, don't help, think that would work either, would it, no? Maybe she just doesn't mind. Who knows? But mm. I yeah. mean, I'm, you must be gutted that he's off. 
He's off, he, might, he might be off the market again. That li- the slim chance I had, that slight window that I couldn't take advantage of. It's gone. It's just only myself to blame, mate. That was it. Yeah, you didn't move fast enough. No, didn't. So it's just, you know, got to live with your regrets, mate, haven't you, really? I'll just have to take that one on the chin. <laughs> I have got Arnie News. Put that cookie down now. I like it. This, this, I'd love to hear what you think of this, mate. And listeners, what do you think of all of this? So Arnie has sold the rights to his digital twin, as has recently Bruce Willis as well. So they've sold the rights that film companies... Oh, I remember. Yeah, I heard about Bruce Willis doing this. Arnie's done it now. Film companies, TV companies and so on, um, they can use, using this deeper fake stuff, they can use Arnie's likeness and voice and put them into whatever they want, really, and make them whatever age they want to be. It's a bit spooky. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> it to do that. It's a bit spooky. Sometimes it looks all right. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it does. Yeah. Other times it's very off-putting. Yeah, really but is. I mean, yeah, I mean, as as time goes on, you know, and Arnie, Arnie passes away and what have you, and, you know, you know they'll only improve the quality mm. of it. So, and obviously Bruce Willis, I mean, that's something people can, you know, they can use him now. Obviously yeah. Now he's retired. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if used enough. in the right way. Yeah. Again, I mean, obviously they're fine with it because they've sold the rights to it. It could be, I mean, we talked about Cobra with the Cobra figure. You could have a Cobra sequel, which Sly has said, you know, he wishes they'd done more Cobra films so they could just use a, you know, his digital yeah. twin and a younger version of him and make another Cobra I mean, film. I don't but, want it. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want loads of films coming out where you don't. I was just like, oh, cool, we don't even need actors anymore. Hmm. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a worrying trend. It's just like, like just not, we're just going to end up, they'll be, at some point, it'll be like, yeah, it's the first film ever that doesn't have any actors in it. Like, <laughs> great, cool. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I hope they don't go too far with this. Because, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see the way, yeah, how it goes. We'll keep an eye on this. But yeah, love to hear what, again, listeners, what do you think of this? Good, bad, indifferent? Let us know. Uh, the TV was on the other day, and it's not often that we watch adverts because it's not often that terrestrial TV is on here, uh, but it was. And all of a sudden, I heard the opening guitar riff to Judas Priest breaking the law. Okay. It was for a KFC advert. Over here in the UK, it's like what? KFC are using Judas Priest breaking the law to sell their chicken now, mate. Oh, which is like okay, good as long as Priest get the money for it. But it was like another, another. Well, the eighties refused to go away. What's the uh, what's the context? Oh, it was something. I think somebody was trying to steal a chicken wing from somebody else's bucket, if I remember rightly. And then it goes into just the it goes from the guitar riff into the chorus of breaking the law. Well, I mean, if it was advertising chicken, they could na- change the name of the song to "Breaking the Bacar." <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to copyright that one quick, mate. Yeah, that's that's it. That and then get in touch with KFC yeah. and tell them you've got you've got an hey, idea. For you, I'll, I'll I'll let you use this if you pay me. <laughs> Sticking, sticking with 80s music. And, and it, it's, we're on record so many times, mate. We both love 80s kiss. Uh, crazy nights. 
Yeah. Celebrated its 35th anniversary on the 21st of September. Ooh, are they bringing out a load of um, retro shirts on their website? Cause... Hopefully. Yeah, fucking give me them. I've still got somewhere, I've still got my Crazy Nights tour t-shirts. Yeah, I just want, I'm, I keep saying this, I, I, I've, I've got some like rubbishy ones that didn't last too long from one of those um, apps um, where they get shipped from, shipped from China. But I just want a high quality or more Kiss shirt with them all done up in their 80s worst. Not the album covers, you know, like a tour shirt with them on it, with mm. the perms and the eyeliner and all of that. So I want a good couple of shirts like that. They're just not around because they fucking hate me. Because <laughs> <laughs> they looked ridiculous and I love that they looked ridiculous. <laughs> and that's the t-shirt you want, mate. Yeah. That's all I want from one of the albums. So, yeah, about 30 years. 35, 35 years. 35, yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Good songs. I mean, the song, I always say a song that should have been a, a huge hit from that. It's a great rock slash pop song. And if anybody listening to this hasn't heard it, Turn On The Night is such a good song. I love that song. Reason To Live. Great ballad on it. It's like, oh. I think it's only really my way. I've never got on with my way. And Paul, and he just goes too high with the vocals. Which by his own admission at that stage of the career, he was amazing himself with his vocal range but he just gets a bit squawky for me on that one never been a big fan any particular favorite on the album mate well yeah t- i mean turn on the night's great as well um i mean i don't mind i've mind any of them um the title track i mean i think it hit number oh yeah the title track i mean I it hit number it- four over here but i've got the thing with Crazy Crazy Nights is it's overkill with me. I've heard it so many times. It's one of those that it's like, ah. Oh. I think we've I mean, said before, haven't we? If the, if the radio were going to play a Kiss song, it's either, you know, Crazy Crazy Nights or yeah. I Was Made For um, Loving You. But yeah, I mean, any most of the Paul Stanley ones, you know, like I'll Fight Hell to Hold, hold You, Bang mm. Bang You. I find the Gene Simmons ones in the 80s are a bit, yeah. but mm. like, there's a few that are decent. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Reason to live, though. Epic ballad. Epic, epic ballad. Great, great song. I'm going to stick stick with eighties music, mate, because on uh, October the twenty eighth, Wasp begin the US leg of their fortieth anniversary tour. They begin uh, in Vegas, wrapping up on December the eleventh in LA, and then on March the seventeenth, they begin the UK leg of the tour, which begins in Manchester doing seven dates in the UK, two in Ireland, and then it's over to mainland Europe. So, yeah, I'll be there for the Roundhouse gig in London. I'm hoping I'll get to, because they play Manchester, and that's about an hour and a quarter away, but they're also playing in Wolverhampton, which is about the same, at KK yeah. Steel Mill. So I'm hoping to get to one of them, probably KK Steel Mill, all being well. I'll get to that, because I'd say... I think Kiss is the band I've seen the most live. I'd say Judas Priest is second, well into double figures. I think Wasp could be third. Yeah, I mean, I've seen them quite a few times. Not mm. as many as that, but... Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, um, you know, them, you know, they say it's going to be like all the bells and whistles mm. that they haven't done since that first tour. They're doing as well something that they haven't done ever is doing the whole, which every band has jumped onto recently. Well, not just recently, for a while, is the VIP ticket experience 
where you get, you know, you do the meet and greet, you have a photo with Blackie, he'll sign a couple of things, blah de blah de blah. He gives you some guitar picks, and oh, he's, that's cool. Yeah, he's saying the thing he's looking forward to the most from these is, is some it, money. Is this the money? <laughs> 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 so buy those VIP tickets, folks, yeah, yeah. and hey, make mate. Blackie Lawless very happy. He's saying, <laughs> as well as well as the money. Um, it's uh he said he's gonna do a QA, a sit down QA at each gig. Oh uh, nice. Which sounds interesting, and you can ask him whatever you want. Uh, so that's that's cool. I haven't I mean, looked. I was gonna look before we started recording, but I got busy with other things how much those VIP tickets are. I yeah, should imagine. I can't see them being too bad, but I mean I've already no, got my tickets. So I, I can't, can't see them being, you know, kiss extortionate prices, but Oh no, 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 not for Wasp. No. But we'll see. We'll find We'll find out. I'm sure we'll chat about it more before the dates come. And like I said, hopefully we'll both get to see them. Probably at different, well, more than likely at different gigs, but we'll we'll both get to experience and have a chat yeah, about it in yeah, the show well, next I year. Mean, I've, yeah, yeah. I booked a ticket at Christmas for, I think it was supposed to be March or April hmm. of this year, but because uh, of you know what, or ticket sales, um, it got uh, bumped till after the US leg. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll be there. Looking hmm. forward to it. Good. Um, oh, we watched a documentary on TV. I think this is where the the, um, the advert came up with KFC. We watched, because it was on terrestrial TV. Uh, it's called Noel Edmonds, The Rise and Fall of Mr. Saturday Night. And it's, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Noel Edmonds, big TV celeb over here, began in, oh, the seven, well, he began as a DJ. Then he, he was like swap shop in the 70s. That were, and it was always, are you going to watch swap shop on BBC? Or are you going to watch Tiz Was on ITV, which was the more subversive, ruder, naughty one, was Tiz Was. Swap Shop was more clean cut. And Noel Edmonds went on to be on like loads of different TV shows over here. But the one particular, there was one called The Late, Late, the Late, Late Breakfast Show, which ran from 82 to 86. Oh, mate, it shows. I mean, one of the things this documentary shows, what a control freak he was. He was like, really? pro- oh, my God, yeah, proper control freak. And um, one of the things this show did was it got members of the public to do stunts. And remember, this is like early to mid-80s, health and safety, not quite as it is nowadays. And it shows one clip. Oh, my God, it's worth watching just for this. Where they put this guy in. They only train you for like a day or something. And he's in this car, and it's like a Mark II Escort. It's a shitty old car. And it's got him to jump, go up this ramp and jump over a load of other cars. And it goes wrong and he plows into the car and like flips over and goes into the crowd of people watching. Right? <laughs> luckily, luckily nobody got hurt. So you know what they do? They go, oh, that didn't go very well. Well, let's dust him off, get another car and we'll do it again. Sorted. There you go. Early 80s, folks. But it gets Didn't wo- someone die during this the Noel Edmonds show? This is um, during the show. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was up high, and it was something to do. He's supposed to go into, um, a, a thing, a straight jacket, and then escape from it before the bottom of this box opened up, and this box was suspended. Or just a member of a public. Yeah, they train him. They give him like really shit training for hardly anything at all. Here you go. <laughs> We're going to put you in a straight jacket. We're going to put you in this box where the floor opens up. But before we do that, we're going to attach the box to a crane and lift you hundreds of feet in the air. 
and they didn't attach him right, and the bottom opened up while they were practising, and he just plummeted to his death. Jeez. And that was the end of the show. <laughs> and that was the end of Noel Edmonds for a little bit, and then he come back again, and it tracks his career. It's really interesting. Obviously, shit ton of 80s did, stuff. Did they um, speak to Mr Blobby? There's a lot about Mr Blobby. Blobby Blobby. Blobby. Yeah, there's a lot about the genesis of Mr. Blobby. Again, if you're outside the UK and you're not sure who that is, don't Google. Don't go down a Mr. Blobby rabbit hole. Trust what? us. Trust. <laughs> ignore him. No, but they'll never get it out of their heads then. Yeah. <laughs> so you want, do you want to put Mr. Blobby into everybody's heads for the yeah. rest of their life? Tom, you're cruel. I mean, did, so you cruel. Not, did you not see the photo from uh, my office at work where... I bought one of my work colleagues in inflatable Mr. Blobby. <laughs> An original from 1992 as well. Wow. You you need to watch this documentary, mate. It's good. It is, yeah. it is really interesting, actually. It is a very, very good. And like I said, loads of, obviously, loads of stuff from the 80s. Number uh, one best-selling artist in the UK as well, Mr. Blobby. Exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't believe Kiss ever did that. No, day. I'm afraid not. And, uh, Mr. No. Blobby did. I think if there'd have been more band members, maybe they could have you know, done. I think Blobby's having a bit of a comeback, a bit of a resurgence. You uh, apparently on uh, the UK Drag Race the other week. Um, it was a BBC celebratory um, theme. You know, like obviously they 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 have to do like costumes and stuff from, for different you know themes each week. Hmm. And it was BBC, and um, two of them did Blobby. Two of them. Bloody so, hell. I mean, they missed a trick by not having a Mr. Blobby week, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, when it gets somewhere as mainstream as Drag Race, then, uh, you know, I think Mr. Blobby's is going to be a comeback. They need to uh, comeback. reopen that, that theme park. They, they show they show the Blobby oh theme park. Oh, my God. I would love to go there as it is now because it's still there, isn't it? Is it is still there. Yeah, yeah. Like, all these weird, it. like, just dirty old blobby-coloured houses. Like, I think the most haunting photo is just this old, dirt-covered blobby toilet just in a field. And, like, yeah, apparently, like, if you know what, like, it's... If you know, like, you can cut in through the fence. Like, if there's a hole, a gap in the fence, you can just go there. Obviously, I think it's against the law, but, you know... It's not like someone's like there's no police hanging around yeah, there. It's not like you're breaking into somebody's house. Yeah, it? no, you, know? you can just go around, and I'd fucking love to do that. Oh yeah, so would I. Looking at go this, go there and just have a look around, and it'd be eerie. Yeah, because this footage like, when it when it opens, they show all the footage of that, but then they go back to it as it is now, and like you said, it's just yeah. Yeah, they it'd, won't open long. <laughs> it'd be it'd be such a great set for a horror film. Really yeah, would. I mean that you know we you know we had the banana splits one. We had um, yes. Willy's Wonderland. I mean, I know there's yeah. a Winnie the Pooh one that's coming up, but that's not really Winnie the Pooh. That's just a guy in a bear mask, hmm. and somehow they've got the rights to call it Winnie the Pooh. Bit weird, that one. Um, but yeah, Mr. Blobby horror film. Yeah, Bloody Blobby. Yeah, Bloody Blobby. Bloody, oh, I like that. Yeah. Bloody Blobby. Yeah, copyright that as well, mate. A couple of copyrights to do as soon as we finish. Bloody Blobby. Bloody the, Blobby. the movie coming, 2024. Yeah, I mean, mm. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley, the fourth Beverly Hills Cop movie currently being filmed, mate. It was good to see uh, to see that Detroit Lions jacket back in action. Interested to see how it'll turn out. Yeah, I saw a photo of um, Judge Reinhold and John Ashton on set, which reminded me this was the thing that was actually happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, okay, it's it's finally happening in mm. some way, shape, or form. It's been a long time coming. Let's uh, yeah, let's see what it's like. I, don't, I can't remember where it's ending up, but yeah, let's let's have it. 
Something that really pissed Tina off is a the remaking, reimagining, whatever, the holy grail of her American TV shows. The remaking Quantum Leap. And in fact, the first episode went on NBC on September the 19th. Yes, and we were going to watch this, but I couldn't find where to watch it because I no. don't. <laughs> if, if it's not on in the UK, I don't know where to look no, for this shit anymore. Tina refuses I, to go anywhere near it. She's disgusted. I mean, they're, they're not remaking it. it. It's a sequel. Um, and I have, I'm going to give it a go. Mm. Like, I mean, you can't, it's not going to be as good. You're not going to, like, no matter how good the two leads are, um, they're not going to touch a chemistry stick, Dean Stockwell and mm. um, um, Scott Bakula. How did I forget Scott Bakula's name? Good grief. You're not <laughs> going to touch their chemistry because no. they, oh my God, them two together was perfect. That was just, you know, you, even the best shows can't, you know, can't match that sort of chemistry. Mm. And that's okay. Um, but, you know, like I've seen like things like, oh, is Scott Bakula going to appear? I think he's going to show up in it at some point. You think um, so? And for that reason, um, I'm in. Uh, whenever it, they decide to sh- show it in the UK, which is none of these fucking stupid decisions, it's like mm. I know they don't want to see it digital. Don't you remember how popular Quantum Leap was? Um, yeah, um, yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah, um, especially if I get two or three episodes in and they're dropping hints about Sam, because that's the whole thing, you know. Like, um, I think we were in a good place to do spoilers for the last episode of Quantum Leap. Sam so, Beckett yeah. never leaped home. Mm. And there's a, there was um, a few years ago, someone discovered um, an alternate ending where um, Owls talking about you know their attempts to try and find him still, um, and it feels like even though that's where they ended it, it's like you know obviously it's a huge loose end. Him still, yeah, leaping. yeah, it is. And if you know if somehow you know Scott, I mean Scott Backley said he's wishes him well, but it's not getting involved. But you know. The rumor mill's running, um, mm. and it's not something they'd give away. But if, I mean, I'd love to see, you know, Sam Beckett go jump, leap home. You know, I remember being so gutted <laughs> that he never got home. It was yeah. so heartbreaking yeah. that he never got home. Um, and I know uh, Dean Stockwell's no longer with us, which is a, a shame. But yeah. uh, uh we'll see. And I mean, Ernie Hudson's in it as well. You know, it's a friend of a friend of a podcast, Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd love it. I'd, uh, so I'm willing to give it a go. I mean, it is holy ground for me as well. That's mm-hmm. uh, so a big part of my growing up was Quantum Leap. Absolutely love the show. Um, but I'm not as against it as I thought I would be, as mm. it's not a reboot, as it's a sequel. Yeah. You know, you know, they reference him. Um, and they reference Sal, and <sighs> yeah. But I just, yeah, I just hope someone in the UK, you know. Yeah. Oh, somebody might want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, so. let's let's be able to watch it, please. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Um, not quite as nice. Is always is always this button. You might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the reaper. <laughs> Thankfully, just the one this time, mate. Henry Silver, ninety-five. That's a good go. Yeah, that, that's fair. Fair, fair enough. enough. Fair enough. Um, and as I always like to do, pick my favourite from the eighties. And with him, bit of a strange choice, I think people will think. But I'm going to go for the nineteen eighty three film Chained Heat because I watched okay. that film so much on VHS. Women in Prison film. Um, yeah, Linda Blair, 
Sybil yeah. Danning. There you go. Female actresses, mate. There you go. Females. Linda Blair. Sybil Danning. Yeah, well done, Dave. I watched it because of them in various stages of undress. Fair enough. But but John Vernon, I did go through the whole... Didn't everybody go through a whole, like, women in prison films? There was a shit ton of them released in the 80s. But, yeah. What, did you, was John Vernon in various states of undress? I don't remember that. <laughs> Not as I recall. If he was, that's been wiped from my mind. So maybe worth a rewatch to see if he was. Could be a rewatch pick going forward. You just don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to pick, um, yeah, Chained Heat nice. from, uh, for Henry Silver. But thankfully, he was the only one that the Reaper managed to uh, to grab. Thankfully, though, missing him, I mean, the Reaper took a sweep and missed, missed Phil Mogg, vocalist with UFO. Um, really? Yeah, he had a heart attack, which thankfully he's recovered from. I remember buying the UFO album, Mechanics, on its release back in 82. Great album. And, uh, but yeah. Is Pete Way still alive? Oh, that's a very good question. Off the top of my head, I have no idea. I'm sure. I mean, when I, when, when, I saw, when I saw UFO in Norwich years ago, I mean, technically, I, I couldn't answer that question then. <laughs> <laughs> so no. He appear that way, but there he was. He, he died in August 2020. Oh. Age seventy. Yeah, he. Yeah, I'm not. I think he died before then, but <laughs> a bit of weekend at Bernie's going on. With yeah, that was it. Who's that? That bass player's not moving around much. Uh, but yeah, thankfully, the Reaper failed there, mate. And um, yeah, that's it for my '80s related stuff. I don't know. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, to bring up before we move on to your first time watch pick? No, no, that's that's um. You've... You've covered everything well. Right, so we'll let us and, take, uh, yeah. a, take a break for a second. People can listen to the trailer for your first time watch pick, mate. objective in your lives to become masters of air-to-air combat tactics okay baby let's do it that pilot's good you have a problem with women in the army preston not with all of them sir aren't you forgetting something you keep it come on show me what you got gee is this a quiz sir your whole life's a quiz young man wash you out if you can't cut it you clear on that i got it i got it it's like sex I need you to help me out. Hardly anybody gets it perfect the first time. We're pushing these guys a little too hard, sir. He wants me out of here. I think you could be one of the best. <laughs> time to rock and roll. Just so you know, I will be kicking your rear today. Good. People, there's a hostile situation. We are on red alert. This is not a drill. You think it's fine for me to be a pilot as long as there's nothing at stake? People are gonna die down there! We will confront the forces of evil and kill them dead or in hell. Missile! Solid! Lock him up! Kill him now! Shoot him in the head! 
Anyway, yes. <laughs> anyway. My film pick uh, was Firebirds. Firebirds, um, also known as Wings of the Apache, from 1990, directed by David Green, starring Sean Young, Tommy Lee Jones, Nicholas Cage. Um, it's a 1990 film picked because chances are most of it was shot in the 80s, and also it's a huge ripoff of Top Gun, <laughs> but with helicopters. Um, I mean, I'm sort of going through all the Nicolas Cage films I haven't seen at the moment, so this is good timing. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is about a helicopter pilot attempting to dismantle a drug cartel in South America. Tommy Lou Jones, oh, the, the pilot's Nicolas Cage. Tommy Lee Jones is an instructor, um, and Sean Young is also a pilot and a love interest. Do you have any problem with women in the military, Dave? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> what you're you're like yeah what, what the hell was she doing there in a man's world god damn it okay so i've recently <laughs> bought a book and read a book called age of cage by keith Ooh. phipps which is about um nicholas four, four decades of hollywood through one singular career wow it's brilliant really recommended it just goes through you know like it what nicholas cage's roles his choices um and where hollywood was at the time of each of them um or a lot mm. of them uh, really good um so um i am just found the entry um i mean it's it's like a book that goes through like chronologically then there's a a complete cageography at the back <laughs> so uh i'm, I'm going to read a little blurb about um firebirds it's only a little sentence um like now the author gave it two stars cage's first attempt at action stardom now this is yeah it's a good point because later in the 90s Nick Cage would become a massive action star. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the three films he became a massive action star were also in the same year, 1997. Mm. Like, the holy trinity of Con Air, Face Off, mm. and The Rock. Awesome. Just all in one year. Awesome. Imagine. Imagine. And that was like a year after he won the Oscar for Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas. Like, people go, oh, like, I'm already going off on a Nicholas Cage tangent with the <laughs> memes and stuff, and it's all funny and good, but people don't realise, like, one, he's a fucking great actor. Yeah. Won an Oscar. And two, like, he was the biggest movie star in the world, mm. for, you know, at, you know, in the late 90s. Yeah. But I digress. Anyway, uh, Cage's first attempt at action stardom asks him to play a cocky all-American American, all American military hero. It's outside his skill set, but the movie around him, rightly dubbed Top Gun with Helicopters and filled with war on drugs era right-wing bravado, doesn't do him any favours. Mm. damning review <laughs> to start with now yes this is um, a Top Gun rip off like it's almost like embarrassingly so but I've it's like it's easy to watch isn't the right word to say it's um Okay, let me try this. I'm just trying to think. Okay, Come so, at it but, from a different angle. Go on, Tom. Yeah. Okay, so I watched a copy of this on YouTube. I don't know if you watched the same one. I did. But the picture quality was 
awful. It wasn't too good. There were quite a few different versions. There's one version on YouTube, if you're looking for, again, look under Wings of the Apache or Fire Birds. But there was one, it was one of the first ones I found, and the whole picture was flipped horizontally. Oh. Which was weird. So when he text on screen, you know, writing on people's, you know, uniforms or anything, we're all back to front and everything was back to front because it had been flipped horizontally. It was a bit weird. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a few pretty bad ones out there. But the one that we watched, yeah, it wasn't great. It was like a, I don't know, I'd probably think second generation, third generation VHS or something. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing. It was watchable, but it, you know, it did take you back to watching it on VHS. Yeah. Um, I mean, your pick was also like a VHS mm, quality, yeah. but far better than... Yeah. But the fact is, it was like, it didn't matter that it, the quality wasn't very good. And like, obviously, like when the qualities of something's worse, you don't catch as much. Mm. If this was like a 4K release, you'd you know you'd see every detail. Yeah, you don't yeah. when it's a, sh- and it didn't really matter. Like you just got the idea. <laughs> like it's like cool. I don't really need to like. If I wanted to, I could just be doing something else while this was on. Yeah. And it's a very undemanding, I think that's a, a good word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An undemanding watch. And I like that about it. It was just like, yeah, I like, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Like, I've seen Top Gun. <laughs> I've seen Iron <laughs> Eagle. I know what's going to happen. Nicolas Cage is going to have some funny lines. Like, I mean, it wasn't a lot for Nicolas Cage to do with a character in this one. No, um, no wasn't. it wasn't it was quite a bland character and sometimes even you know even an actor like Nicolas Cage struggles to find something not bland about it mm. and I mean he had some good lines him screaming I'm the greatest and you know some you know some utterly cheesy lines in it um but I mean I was just like I was just watching it I'm like oh man this is crap and then it went on and I was just like this is crap but I'm doing... and then by the time it got to um, the love scene with uh, Nicolas Cage and Sean Young to the tune of um, a Phil Collins song. I was just like, oh, Christ, this is, I'm quite enjoying this. <laughs> and it's just like, they're buzzing around in their stupid little helicopters. At one point in the climactic battle, it doesn't, like, it doesn't really like Nick Cage, Nick Cage, not Nick Cave, that would have been interesting. Nick Cage <laughs> is in a, um, it doesn't even look like he's in a cockpit. It's all just completely dark. I don't know if that was a reshoot or something. It was just like, it doesn't even, I mean, it could have been the quality of a mm. um, video on uh, YouTube, but it didn't even look like he was in the cockpit. <laughs> <at one point. laughs> but I'm just like, I just sort of let it wash over me. And I'm very aware it was bad. And I'm very aware it was cheesy and corny and it completely unoriginal, even if Top Gun had never existed. But, mm. uh, I just kind of enjoyed it for all those reasons. It's weird, isn't it, how certain films can get you like that because you enjoyed it a lot more than I did. I enjoyed it a lot more than Tina did. She really detested it. It's like a trickle-down thing going on. It is, yeah. Because, again, long-time listeners, you know that me and Tom, we both we like bad and corny and cheesy, don't we? But this, and as there was just, it never, it never really engaged me like, the likes of Samurai Cop, Hard Ticket to Ice, you know, ones like that. Yeah, you know, it's, the big not that, ones. it's not a so bad, it's good. No, it but it's like... even even like stupid, low-budget action movies we've watched that are, re- that are bad, by our own admission, are bad, but so watchable. I couldn't, I could not get into this. 
And it's I looked at the director of it, David Green. He started his directorial career directing 60 episodes of the British TV um, soap opera, Emmerdale, back when it was Emmerdale Farm. Nice. And I think that says a lot about his directorial style because he did loads of TV stuff, TV series, TV movies. The, the movie he did before this, Tom, two years previous, a film we talked about back in the days of 80s Picture House, a film I still remember. I think you might have only just calmed down after talking about it. Also, Phil Collins' music in it because it's Buster. He directed Buster. Oh. <laughs> really? Really. Yeah. He's not got good action pedigree as a director. And I think that really told in this film yeah. that he's not good at directing action. The editing in it, I found bizarre. There was a scene where there's Nick Cage and Sean Young and they're up in the air. And this, I mean, this could have come from an episode of Benny Hill. There's that many double entendres that saying to each other and it's basically and let's get it right nick cage is jake preston in this he's he's a creepy sex pest for most of the running time of this and he's being ultimate creepy sex pesty in midair and there's this yeah. scene between them both and that it's just dialogue there's nothing else going on and then it cuts to tommy lee jones and he's hitting a punch bag and i thought okay there's going to be something here a bit of exposition it's going to go back to that scene and then nicholas cage walks in and you're thinking, well, that scene that's just happened, was that just for getting a bit of, you know, raunchy banter between them? But some of the editing was just, like, really chop, 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 losing I mean, track of everything. it's a very short film. It is a short film. It was, um, it's got, <laughs> the story is by three people. You've got Step, Step Tyner, John Swenson and Dale Dye, all three. This is their only writing credit. Day or die. I mean, obviously, everyone will know who that is from just appearances as the military bloke in yeah. everything. In a lot of stuff. And of course, he's got a military background. So of course, yeah. thinking that's why he was brought in to give that sort of, yeah. Okay, yes. Maybe, Dave, you just didn't understand the film because it was too military dialogue. <laughs> you just don't know. It's too, the plot is too complicated for my... There was... Yeah, he didn't. I was waiting for more... I think because I went into it with the mindset, oh, this is Top Gun, but in helicopters. And there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of action in it. It was, no, mostly, I mean, it was yeah. mostly Nick Cage and and Sean Young, their characters, and the, the friction, the friction between the love interest that used to be lovers, and now they're not, and are they going to get back together? Because as we see through the film, Nicolas Cage really wants to get back into her pants with everything that he says. Mm. And it was that. And him, there's this whole thing during the film where he's the pilot of this helicopter and and he's amazing. He's like, shit, hot helicopter pilot. But when they have to do this thing, and I think that's when he's gone with it's blacked out and he has to, he, this little screen thing flops like a monocle almost, flops over his right eye. And he's seen things through a camera on the on the helicopter and it throws him out because he's left eye dominant, not right eye. And yes. a, it goes on for ages about training. He's got to pass the bag. Yeah, yeah, he's got to pass the bag. Exactly, that's what they call it. So the tra one of the things they do to train him is put a, a pair of red um, female knickers on his head. Didn't didn't have to be that, really. Which attaches this tube 
with, oh, I forget what they're called. I used to have one when I was a kid. It's a long tube and it's got a little mirror at the bottom, 45 degree angle, mirror at the top, 45 degree angle. And you can look over the walls and shit. So he's got that stuffed into these red knickers um, on his right eye to try and get him, you know, right eye dominant and not left eye dominant. There's a load of the running time he's taken up with that. And I thought, did this ever cross your mind? And it probably couldn't happen anyway. I'm sure if there's any military people listening, let me know. Couldn't he, they have just flopped it over so that the monocle thing went over to his left eye? Could they have not done that? I mean, Dale Dye wrote the script, Dave, so clearly not. You think there'd be a bit more, you know? And I mean, and, and in the end of all of that, he just passes it and then it cuts to a scene where Sean Young and a friend are playing like basketball or something. He just comes in and he's like, hey, I passed the bag. Hey, do you want to go celebrate? Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. After all that going on about passing the bag, which you begin to think is what the whole entire film's going to be about, which fair, he's just like, yeah, did it. Yeah. Move on. Next scene. (laughs) What? What? You mentioned about like when Nick Cage is screaming. I mean, there's some good Cage moments. I think if if the character of Jake Preston was played by anybody else other than Nick Cage, I'd have really struggled with this film. He makes it watchable for me. And that scene, like you said, where he's just shouting out, I am the greatest, I am the greatest, and he just keeps doing that for ages, is like proper cage. That's what, you know, you, it's moments like that that elevated it for me. There's some amazing lines in it. There's one, there's one, and I think I think it's Tommy Lee Jones's character that says it, um, and, and says, you're going to be as busy as a three-peckered goat, which I've never heard before. No, that's a new one. I've heard, you know... A dog with two dicks. I've heard that version of it, but not a three-packed goat. That was a new one to me. Uh, I cannot now. I mean, there's not many of them left in the UK, especially where we live, but laundromats. I should imagine there's more down in London where you are, mate. Hmm. If you ever go into a laundromat, I want you to enter it the way that Nick Cage does in this. <laughs> Opening the door and just slides the full length as though he was on like a sheet of ice. That is how you enter a laundromat. And that is or why. Any room. <laughs> or any room, basically, yeah. A meeting. <laughs> a meeting room. Just open the door and slide into it. Um, it's got... Oh, and Nick Cage running. He's like jogging, but he's got this almost John Cleese, Faulty Towers, Monty Python, Silly Walk <laughs> run where his knees are in severe danger of knocking himself out on his chin. He's doing the most bizarre running. He's got, he's got to have been doing it as a piss take because nobody runs like that. Uh, there's Tommy Lee Jones' character eats nothing but Campbell's soup. There's a scene in the shop where he's holding his baby and it's him and Nick Cage having this dialogue scene and he's just loading up with, like, constantly, Campbell's soup, more Campbell's soup, more Campbell's soup, which I thought was a bit, a bit bizarre. Um, oh my God. Continuity error. There's a really bad continuity error that this is when the editor, you know, I've taken the piss out of the editing in this. The editor must have paid attention because there's the scene. I think it's after, like you said, when Nick Cage passes the bag or something and he picks her up and he's, and he compliments what she's wearing. And then they go, I think it's to his, they end up at his place and they're in different clothes so there's, there's a shot, there's like a bit of B-roll of the exterior of the house and you hear Nick Cage going, why'd you change? And then Sean Young goes, it's last to take off. Cut to, they're wearing different clothes. 
So that would have been, I'm sure that was just a really bad continuity error on their, in their part. There's a character called Rice, though they're called, they're referred to as Rice Man. <laughs> That's not a bad Top Gun thing with Iceman. I was expecting somebody to be called, I don't know, Duck instead of Goose or something. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, the sequel. Yes. Yeah, we need to we need a sequel for this film. Um, I would watch Firebirds. It. Well, it's what's in case instead of Fire Firebirds. I mean, can't call it Maverick. <laughs> Preston. Right. Firebirds. Preston. <laughs> not quite the same. It's not quite the same. It's got the biggest thing for this mate. It has got the worst bad guy ever put onto film, and it's play, it's played by um, an actor called Bert Ryan. His only IMDb credit, and that's it. He was only in this. And the thing about all of this, they make this bad guy out to be, it's all about the drugs cartel and they're trying to take out the drugs cartel and it's going to end up in this air-to-air combat situation with the helicopters or helicopters, as Tommy Lee Jones keeps calling them, helicopters. This bad guy, you see him mostly in supposedly covert photographs that have been taken of him while he's being a bad guy. But some of them, there's one particular one, me and Tino are howling. It's covert pictures. Again, keep that in mind. It's like he, the bad guy, is six inches away from the camera, looking right into the lens, pointing a gun at it. (laughs) Who took these pictures? The, The... definitely not covert and then you briefly glimpse him a couple of times he's in the the helicopter cockpit part way through that, that was that was one of the worst things for me mate and took me right out of it is the i wanted a bad guy i wanted a bad guy to cheer nick cage on and cheer sean young and tommy lee jones their characters bad guy was non-existent quite literally non-existent there hardly saw them that thing yeah, that yeah, that was no the real. worst thing for me. I wanted a proper old school. I know this was nineteen ninety, probably made in late eighties, but like eighties, early nineties, bad guy in there, and I didn't get it. And that for me was the the sin of all sins. Oh, I didn't think it was that bad, but yeah, it was definitely. <laughs> it was just it was there was no bad guy in it. There was just a bloke mm. in photos, and then in a cockpit, and you couldn't really tell it was them, and that was about it. Yeah. It was. It was Cage. Cage made this for me, mate. Cage made it watchable for me. I was just... I think my expectations were too high going into it. Wanting that Top Gun in helicopters. Wanting more action. Wanting just more of everything that it didn't, yeah. that it didn't give me. So, oh. yeah. It was, it was all right. I think... I mean... Have you got anything else you want to say before we get to the usual? No, question? no, just like I just, I, I'm very aware of how bad it was, but I just kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, and that isn't that a good thing though? You know, I'm sure. Hopefully, listeners will be they'll watch it, and I'm sure we'll get people that will, you know, really love it, and some that hate it, and others in between. That's the good thing about movies and all art forms. It's we can all have our own opinions. So ours didn't quite gel together. Our opinions did they? So for you, mate, was it worth a first time watch? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if I go running to watch it again anytime mm. soon, but it was, yeah, I mean, I just, undemanding, didn't have to pay too much mind to it. 
Mm. It's tough. Yeah, but again, wouldn't run to rewatch it. Mm. Yeah, I would say it, I would say it's worth a first time watch if you're a Nick Cage fan. Then you know, then it's a given. Anything is in is worth watching. Other than that, no, I found it quite forgettable. So, um, but glad I've watched it though. Glad I've watched it. Ticked, you know, yeah. it's always good. Ticked another Nick Cage film off the list that I'd never seen. So for that alone, it was you know, I'm glad you picked it. Indeed. Yeah. Let's move on then to my rewatch pick. The most gripping and entertaining film I've seen in many months, maybe years, 10 plus, Gary Franklin, KCBS-TV. John Voight gives a fiery performance. Janet Maslin, The New York Times. A sensational picture, intense and brutally powerful, variety. The best action movie of the year, Jan Herman, New York Daily News. Exciting, powerful, and thrilling as anything I've seen in years. John Corcoran, KABC-TV. It's a success, a super thriller. Michael Wilmington, The Los Angeles Times. He's pushing me. Please, try again, and I'll send you out of here in plastic. He wants me to jump the wall. Thanks, youngster. I owe you one. Hey, Manny, take me with you. They escaped together. They battled the elements. They achieved the impossible. Smile, man, we're free! But their train to freedom was out of control. Use a burn off. The overspeed control must have gotten screwed up. Engineers do not just croak. You want to be a tough guy? You want to be a legend? Go back! Sucker, come on! He ain't getting caught alive. Let's have some fun. <laughs> You'll never stop this fight, you heavy record! Stand up! Their struggle for freedom became a fight for their lives. John Voight, Eric Roberts, Rebecca de Mornay, and Andre Kontolowski film. Runaway Train. Another, another long trailer for my rewatch pick. 1985's Runaway Train, currently a 7.2 on IMDb, and the synopsis on there is, two escaped convicts and a female railway worker find themselves trapped on a speeding train with no brakes and nobody driving. Uh, been a long time since I've watched this. Remembered enjoying it. Uh, wanted to rewatch it to see if it was good. That's how I remembered and it is, it's a, it's a simple story as far as it goes. You've got the two prisoners in a high-security prison. You've got Manny, played by John Voight, and Buck, played by Eric Roberts. They break out of this high-security prison, which is run by Rankin, played by John P. Ryan. They get onto a train. It's minus 30 degrees. It's all snow and ice and everywhere. The conditions are awful. Uh, they get on this train. Unfortunately for them, 
The train driver has a heart attack, dies, falls off, so they are left on the titular runaway train. Uh, but then they find they're not alone. There is also Sarah, played by Rebecca de Mornay, who is on the train as well. And it's the three of them being pursued by Rankin in a helicopter, trying to find them, um, because obviously he's disgusted that they've escaped from his prison and trying to catch them. And, and of course, Manny and Buck and Sarah are trying to stop the runaway train before it crashes. That's it. Pretty si simple narrative, really, though, isn't it, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we have, before we get any further, because I know, again, in our WhatsApp conversations, uh, I know our, our views on Eric Roberts of this are, are wildly different. But before we get onto that, Eric Roberts, mate, on IMDb, his acting credits, he's currently, and I checked this an hour ago, so it's more than likely changed, 697 what? acting credits, right? And get this. And remember, we're not even at the end of September 2022. For 2022 and the things that were announced for 2023, 120. Anything, won't they? 120 in two years and counting. He's going to top a thousand acting credits. He will be. He'll he'll be in anything. I think we've both met him. Am I right in saying that? I think we've both met him, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was he like when you met him? Was he okay? Yeah, he was fine. He seemed pretty cool. Mm -hmm. He was. He wanted to fist bump instead of shake hands, which now you look back on it, like yeah, that's fair. Mm. Yeah, he was really nice when I met him. He um, had a couple of selfies with him. He took my phone, did a couple of selfies. Was oh yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Um, jocular. Yeah, he was. He was really nice. My memories of, of meeting him. He was, a, he was a really nice guy. Uh, so yeah, his character. In it, um, and of course, so the two prisoners, Manny and Buck, Eric, you know, John Voight and Eric Roberts, both, I mean, they both chew the scenery in this, don't they? There's nothing restrained about the performances no. of either of them. There's, there's a lot of scene chewing <laughs> going on, which I think, is it that that sort of started rubbing you up the wrong way about, specifically with Eric Roberts' performance? I guess I think, like, I don't mind scene chewing. I just don't think he was very good. Mm. I just don't, really don't, didn't, that, the sort of performance he gave and just, I mean, the character was, you know, like the character's annoying. That's the sort of thing you can deal with in the film, but it was just him. I just really, really disliked. To the point where half an hour into the film, I was getting close to switching it off. Yeah. I just stand to wow. listen to him anymore. I was just like, it's just one of those, the old, um, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunderline, what you don't do in a film. Um, yeah. yeah. I was just like, I couldn't. And like, honestly, I didn't think John Voight was much better. I was just like, I mean, there's a funny review on Letterboxd. just like, it's, it, and it goes along, it says something along the lines of, it's great until people start talking. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was it. Like, the action was fine. The stunts were fine. Everything else, I couldn't. I just thought it was awful. Wow. Yeah, I mean, John Voight, yeah, John Voight Eric is, Roberts yeah, in particular. I know. I did, some of the messages I was getting off you as you were watching. It's like, and like you said, at one point, you really were like, I think I'm going to have to give up on this. He's like really pissing me off. Yeah, it was re really like, I mean, then there was more scenes of, you know, like stunt scenes and more scenes with like, uh, 
John C. Ryan's character and stuff. So like there was less Eric Roberts. So There's just an intense amount of Eric Roberts in that first half an hour. But then like yeah, he was just like, and I mean, he he did he get yeah, I think he got Oscar nominated and John Voight got Oscar nominated for this for acting. And I'm just like, yeah. was it a quiet year? And and Eric Roberts got. Um... Golden Globe nominated for it as well as Academy Award for this for Best I, Supporting Actor. Yeah, I know. I know your opinions on his performance and Tina as well vary from mine, but I just can't get my head around that. Yeah, I mean, because Tina, it just gives that sort of that sort of like oh, <laughs> embarrassingly bad performance that I thought, but. It happens though, doesn't it? You know, in in certain films, you can yeah, get oh, you can yeah, get a performance yeah. that if it can, can just yeah, it can just be one thing about it, and it just really rubs you up the wrong way, and can just mm. spoil the entire film for you, for whatever reasons. I mean, me and Tina, we really love his performance in it, and again, I know in a message to you, I said he reminded me from my time. I was going to say my time in prison. Then, new listeners, I used to teach in a prison. Let's just get that clear just in case mm-hmm. um but for my time working in a prison there were it brought back memories there were characters like that just like so hyper so loud so vocal all the time and just like and latch on to somebody as their hero which buck does to manny you know is his hero in it so it did remind me of of people i knew from within the prison system so i thought it was yeah i thought i think he's really good in it um yeah john voight is you know angry and pissed off all all the way through it, and I think because the and you mentioned before, mate, because we watched it on YouTube, and the quality is you know like probably like VHS quality. It's not it's not like even DVD quality, or definitely not Blu-ray. And I think you get away with a lot more with the scenes because a lot of it was filmed on a train, and they're outside in the snow and everything. But there were scenes that were that were in the studio. You know, and there's a bit of rear projection, whatever going on, green screen. Um, but it wasn't as noticeable because the quality of the picture we were watching didn't show it up as much. I have read reviews of people that have watched it on Blu-ray and they're going, oh, yeah, it's so clear. It's so clear. And you can see when they're not really on a train <laughs> going <laughs> X amount of hours. So I think it was a bit more immersive watching it with a bit shittier picture quality. So you could guess... You know, yay for VHS, really. <laughs> it's one thing. Uh but yeah, Eric Roberts character, Buck, he is he's just like he's just so intense and constantly going off. I mean, there's the a prison riot, or there's a couple of prison riots in it. And you see him and he's climbing up the side of the, the prisons, going from you know, floor one to floor two. Uh, he punches a piece of burning paper. A few times he walks through burning paper. I'm sure at one point his pants nearly catch on fire and then there's a quick edit. I think he was so much into the character, he didn't give a fuck what he was doing. And he was like punching fire and walking through fire. I did find uh, something funny, remembering that this is a high security prison and they say in the film that the average sentence there is 22 years. These are hard-ass people. These are really, you know, the, the worst of the worst of society. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes this one... Who's behind bars and he's lucky, you know, he's like, I think he's like shaven headed and covered in tattoos and filthy and throwing burning toilet paper out, probably still covered in shit. And is um, the <laughs> the warden walks past and he, this prisoner goes and he goes, <laughs> blows a massive raspberry and then looks at the warden and goes, That's your mama's asshole. The bitch is loud. 
I thought that is the most playground insult you Oscar could give nomination. from, you know, these... these Literally Oscar-nominated film. For at least 22 years, yeah. Bit of a, a bit of a fart insult. Uh, interesting story. I'm not going to read the full story out, but I would um, encourage people to go and read if they're interested. Danny Trejo's in it. It's the first mm. film he was in um, with short hair, which I found quite strange. Not used to him with short hair. Uh, he boxes in the film. Really interesting story about how he got to be in the film. Um, and of course, you know, I'm sure everybody's familiar that you know Danny did spend time in prison himself. Uh, and this sort of was the beginning of his acting career. And he's okay. He's been in loads of films too. Uh, and he has a boxing match with with Eric Roberts actually, who is in Eric Roberts is in very short shorts, proper eighties short, tight shorts, which was a bit off putting. Um, early role, I think again another first role, or if not first first handful. Uh, and it's been on the show Eight's Pitch House. Tiny Lister is in it quickly as well. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a prison guard. You see him in uh, in a lift or elevator to our American listeners. Uh, I did like eighties soundtrack as well. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah, soundtrack was quite eighties. It does lock it into a certain period of time when it was made. You know, very you know the drum sounds, the synth, and all of this. Um, but I liked it. I think it benefited because of the the conditions. Like I said, it's snow. It's minus thirty degrees. There's a bit where Eric Roberts' character has he's got no shoes and he keeps going, I've got no shoes, I need some shoes. And he's just in socks with holes in and you're thinking, oh, my God, that must be so painful. Um, oh, I mean, you say, he says, oh, I've got no shoes. It sounds more like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. He seems to be... He sounds like, when he started, like he's doing an over-exaggerated Matthew McConaughey impression. Mm. Yeah. It's that sort of voice, but really exaggerated. It's like a spitting image version of it almost, um, but cranked up to full to full volume. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I do like I do like I like the I mean I like prison escape stories anyway. I love how they get out of there. Uh, I love when they get on the train and then oh my god it's a runaway train and they try train stop it and then Rebecca De Mornay's character it turns up throws a spanner into the works. And then there's sort of a slight love interest going on between her and Buck. And I'm not going to give away the ending, just in case people haven't seen it. But I thought it was a satisfactory ending. There's so many films and it's just a wet fart of an ending. And it's, oh, God, is that it? This satisfied me. I mean, were you happy with the way that the, the story ended? Did it, or, or did you go, oh, fucking hell, that was a bit of a shit finish? Yeah, yeah, to be honest. Did yeah, you? It's just like one of those, <laughs> just like, uh, okay. No, I, re- I really liked the way that it ended. Um, I would, I have got it, I've got it somewhere on DVD. I would, I would definitely buy it on Blu-ray and watch it again. Um, I don't think, are you up for a rewatch at any point in the future? No, I mean, this was a rewatch. Um, I didn't. Oh, it's been, what was it, nine years, I think, according mm. to that box. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember my feelings being this hostile towards it. No, no I will, I'm sure yeah. you marked it a lot higher when you watched it all those years ago. No, I would have marked it. Didn't you? Yeah, ah, no. I think okay. it's only like 27, 2018, I started scoring them. So. Right, okay. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have marked it. I saw that it was there was no score on there. But, yeah, I can't remember being this hostile towards it. But I'll remember it now. <laughs> you certainly will. 
um, anything you want to add about it, mate? Apart from you know, you know obviously. I mean, honestly, I think it was one of the worst films to ever be Oscar nominated. So, so wow. much. Okay. I'm really like the stunts and the action, really good. And um, yeah, I was just like, I was just like, but acting in all fronts was just awful. I thought, but I feel like I'm in the minority there. So. <laughs> yeah, so me and Tina really enjoyed it, and it was yeah, we enjoyed it. We'd say it was definitely worth a rewatch, and I would like I said, I'd, I'd love to buy it on Blu-ray and rewatch it again at some point. Um, maybe you might not be in too much of a rush to rewatch yeah, it no, again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did have some feedback. Um, here we go. Listen to feedback again. Uh, again, from Frederick in Sweden, um, I've seen Firebirds many, many years ago on VHS. The only thing I remember is that they are using the Swedish fighter jet Draken in it, an old plane built between 1955 to 74, but really cool. Ooh. Uh, and he also put fun fact, well, fun question mark fact about the Draken. It first flew in 1959 and was the plane that the Swedish Air Force invented the Cobra maneuver with. Made famous in Top Gun, the way you know there's like the sudden breaking up, and then you end up behind who was following you. Um, the Swedish Air Force invented that maneuver in that aircraft, which was like ooh. And then he tweeted us today, as and he said, um, "Just rewatched Firebirds for the first time since 1991, uh, despite being bu- <laughs> despite being busier than a three peckered goat." Nice one. Uh, helicopters are cool, but damn, the innuendos between Young and Cage are cringeworthy and the delivery even worse. Jones is like a bad parody of himself. Yeah, that's something I didn't mention. Tommy Lee Jones is is like a parody of himself, I found, where he delivers his lines very quickly, but with great authority. So he's talking really quick, but with such confidence, which is very Tommy Lee Jones thing that I sort of picked yeah. up on. Uh, and Chris, at Dastardly Jabby, I never knew Firebirds was called Firebirds. I've always known it as Wings of the Apache. I haven't seen it for years, but watched it loads on VHS. I seem to remember it being like Top Gun, but with helicopters, which I think I think that's sort of the main thing when people describe it, isn't it? Is yeah, Top Gun with helicopters. So um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, if you've watched either of those two films, both of those two films, or you're going to now watch them. Um, we usually record at the end of each month, so if you want to send us a tweet or an email, let us know, and we'll talk about it. And um, we need we need to workshop this. Listener feedback's a bit of a shit name. We need to sort something. <laughs> it won't send, last, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, send send us for, send us suggestions for the listener feedback name. Let's see what happens with that. So let's move on, and uh, we'll go into next month's picks. My first time watch pick for the October show, and because it's October, I had to pick a horror film. So I'm going to 1988, and I sort of remember the cover back from VHS days when it was called Cheerleader Camp. But on IMDb, that was the original title, it's listed as Bloody Pom Poms, which is okay. The only name I recognise in it is Leaf Garrett. The um, I remember, 
And I had a look when I bought the single. I've still got the single. I What's it? I Was Made for Dancing, I think is the name of the single. Released in early 1979. I remember oh, Pipe. There's a, there's a few familiar names. Uh, Lucinda Dickey, who was in the Breaking Films. And ah, um, Ninja okay. Fever Domination. And George Buckflower, mm-hmm. who was in fucking everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I've never seen it. It's another one. It is on YouTube, and it's while it's not amazing quality, it's it's better than both. It films. won't matter. No, <laughs> and it's better quality than both films that we watched for this episode. So if you do want to watch it, it is there. Uh, Cheerleader camp, or you might find it under bloody pom poms. That's my first time watch pick. Excellent, excellent. Mm. My rewatch pick is one from nineteen eighty two. So it's forty years. Wow. Uh, so little anniversary as well. Nice. Um, I, I, it was one of those. I was like, yeah, I don't even need to ask if Dave's seen this <laughs> or not because I just know you have. Um, I thought it was about time to revisit Basket Case. Wow. Yeah. Long, long time since I've seen that, mate. Bloody hell. Yeah. Ooh, Obviously, yeah. Um, October. So we've both gone horror. Good as we should. Hmm. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, basket case with a with a three or four basket case films. I think there was three. I don't know if I've still got the oh, I'll have to move um, box set of them. Yeah, I can't remember can't if I've got the box quite set. See, it's <laughs> just out of basket sight. No, I don't. No, mm. I don't. No, but it's on Arrow. Um, so yeah, I'll watch it on there. Right, I will have a look. I'm pretty sure I've got it. I'm pretty sure I've got it on DVD or possibly Blu-ray. I'll have a look. It'll be somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, I knew. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was just like, I knew that you'd have it as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh. Kicking around on one of your shelves somewhere. Good. Um, right, as always, things to get in touch with us. Go to 6dmw.co.uk, numerical 16, alphabetical. Everything's on there, including a contact us form, or you can email us direct. Just contact at 6dmw.co.uk. We've said before, let us know what you thought about the two films we talked about in this. Um, The five actors, you can only watch films by five actors. Mm. Send us your lists, please, and we'll read that out at the beginning of next show. That'll be interesting. I'll put my list, well, I've got my list together already. Um, You can put yours together, Tom. I'll read out Ben and Cody's again, and hopefully quite a few others. You can let us know. Yes, let's hope so. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting point that Ben made. Keep in mind that uh, they don't have to be the star. You know, they could have just made a little yeah, yeah. cameo appearance be, in. It could just be one of those character actors who never, mm. who was never, you know, was just dependable, always in the background, um, but never yeah. got their own film. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting Interesting to him. Doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be locked into the 80s. Yeah. Um, Bonus point if any are, but it doesn't have to be. It's just an interesting thing to uh, to go through. Uh, yeah, and the best social media to follow us on is at 60MW Podcast. Um, again, because we did the poll on there about the, the disgustingly fixed 80s action hero poll that was just needs a recount still. There's all things like that that happened. Lots of giveaways, so that's the best social media to follow us on. Uh, what's the best social media that they can follow you on, Tom? Um, probably Twitter. I mean, I, maybe I said Instagram last time. Let's say Twitter this time, at Tom Downey. Why not? Why not? Do that. Follow Do- me. I mean, God, yeah, I don't really tweet much. <laughs> 
You do like so, your yeah. Instagram for putting photographs and stuff up yeah, of where Instagram, you're going. Instagram, Tumblr UK. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good page. one to yeah, especially with all the gigs you've been to and going to. That's a good one to follow. Yes. Uh, yeah, and again, thank you for listening. One thing you can do for us, like I said, is follow us on social media. Leave us a review. If you do leave us a review anywhere online, send me a quick message on Twitter or, or email. I'll add it to the listener feedback page on the website and just share our shows and tell your friends about us. And, you know, I keep having the occasional moan about all these uh, these big media-run podcasts hosted by celebs that are paid thousands, and it's to the detriment of the indie podcasts like us and many more who it's, you know, it's it's harder to get out there and get noticed. So just sharing the show does a lot for that. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back at the end of October. You know the two films we're going to talk about. And uh, in between this and then, lots of other of the different format shows will be out. So um, oh, I haven't said this for ages. Keep those subscriptions active. There you go. Then you don't miss anything. Yes. Pick. Yeah. You don't have to listen to them all. Pick and choose which format shows you like and choose those. I'll use the old... Um, audio buffet line that i normally do to describe us uh right we'll bigger off i don't know what your evening entails now mate is there, is there time to squeeze a film in a tv show or what's it gonna be yeah tonight? yeah it's nine o'clock yeah i'm gonna try uh the first episode of the uh, the old man mm-hmm. um one with jeff bridges and john lifkow nice uh, it was Jeff, Jeff bridges and john lifkow speaks mm-hmm. for itself hopefully that's good yeah um and then let me see let me see um Twin Peaks. I'm doing a Twin Peaks rewatch, so Ooh, I'm going to watch okay. another episode of that. Very good. No idea what we're going to watch. <laughs> it will be. It will be a surprise. No doubt. I'll go downstairs and Tina's already watching something. I will find yeah. out. I'll find out what it is in just a few minutes from now. But until well, I then, hope you enjoy that. Thank you. <laughs> we we shall say goodbye until the spooky season, won't we, mate? So uh, yes. yes, have a wonderful spooky season until the end of October. Yes, we'll see you at the end of next month. Uh, thanks for listening, and um, I think I'll go with a toodle pip to end this one. Good. Good. Yeah, I've got a button to press as well, haven't I? I'll do that. (laughs) Every bloody show.